something I've been wanting to do for a long time, which I thought I could really do it and do it well, and it would be very meaningful to everybody, is to do communion how the church did communion in ancient days. And because it's been really meaningful to me on a personal level what the church used to do. Um, but my problem is, is I can't make it so meaningful, I realized. I've really spent weeks thinking about this, trying to figure out how to do this. And the bottom line is I can't do it. Um, this is one thing I know. This is, the, this is how Jesus worked, okay? People, there was a guy, like for instance, there was a guy who was a, a notorious sinner. And he winds up, because of his sin, he winds up paralyzed. And Jesus healed this guy. I mean, just flat healed him. Before the guy did anything. He didn't repent. He didn't do anything. Then, then after Jesus healed him, after the mercy of God, after the grace of God came into his life, Jesus said, you know, you need to stop sinning because something worse could happen to you. And so that's a real picture of how God really wants to operate with people. Whenever the, whenever the Lord comes near to a person and God brings what God brings, is something could happen in a person's life. A change can happen. Okay? And we think we have to do something to get that change. We feel like we've got to earn it or whatever, but that's not the way Jesus works on any level. In other words, you could be a person this morning who is having difficult financial situations. And the Lord could heal your finances instantly. But this is what he would say after you healed your finances. He would say, well, here's what you need to do so you won't get sick in your finances again. You need to be a giver. You know what I'm saying? That, that's how Jesus works. But he would heal your finances. Or you could be a person who has physical problems and the Lord will heal you. And then he may say to you, I want you to quit eating at McDonald's every day because that's what's killing you. But he had mercy on you. Do you understand that? Are you all with me on that? And uh, so the, that's really the picture of what the Lord wants to do, I think, when we do communion, is he wants to show and reveal to us how wonderful he is and how merciful he is and how he wants, he's reaching his hand out to us first. And then he'll, you know, give you a... A great word. Um, so, I want to read a couple of scriptures. If you put that first one up, Brian. Y'all okay? Y'all are good. That's it. John twelve twenty four. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. And you know what I wanted to say. Um, is I was asked, thinking about what the Lord is doing in the earth, okay? And, and this is something I think the Lord's doing in the earth, is death. Is there's a, there, I have never been around so much death in my entire life this year. It, it's been, every, you know, I've experienced pers- fam- loss in family that's been pretty crushing to me personally. Uh, and I have went to more funerals I have this year than I have in all the years combined in my entire life. And it's, it started out like that. Um, 
But I believe the Lord was showing me, and, and, and also this year we've, we've seen two significant spiritual leaders die. One was the Pope. He died this year. And another one was a man named Adrian Rogers, who if y'all are not, don't, don't have a Baptist background, Adrian Rogers really literally saved the Baptist church back in the early 70s when they were headed down a road of liberalism. He saved the Baptist church and got them back to the gospel, got them back to what? He, he was a, a great man of God. And he died. And, and I think there's probably been a lot of less prominent people who've died. In fact, I got recently it was with Bob Jones, and that was the first thing he said to me. He said, a lot of people have gone home this year. So I think there's been this thing called death that God has, been, has allowed to happen. And I know many people in this room have lost loved ones this year. Lost people you were close to. So I, I want to say to you, is this this scripture has been something real? But you see, the Lord doesn't end. He doesn't stop at death. But really, this is a really the truth. Before you can really come into life, there really does there really has to be a death, whether it be the loss of someone. Like in the year King King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. You know, Isaiah was able to see the Lord. When something died in his life, it was obviously keeping him from really seeing the Lord in a fuller measure. Or, you know, it could be something spiritual in your life, a dream or a vision that had to die in you really before life came. Jesus died, and then there was a Pentecost, a life that came. And so I believe the Lord wants to bring life, is what I'm saying to you. There's, there's probably more death coming. I mean, there's certainly more death. At first I thought, well, I'm just getting old, Lord. I'm just around a lot of... Because I'm old and I've been around a long time. So you, when you get old, there's more people that die because most of the people you know are older, you know. So but I'm thinking, man, am I going to die here? I'm only 51 years old, Lord. I don't want to die yet, you know. I'm not ready to go. But, but put the next verse up, Brian. But this is what I believe the Lord wants to say to us this morning. This is a great Christmas verse. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And that's sort of the Christmas verse. But if you really see there's one thing that the Lord really wants to emphasize, and this is the truth, is the Lord really wants to emphasize his kingship. That's really what God wants to do in the earth. And if you think about, if you think about Jesus' life, okay, it was absolutely surrounded by death. I mean, right, right off the bat, there was this slaughter of children. I mean, children in a whole town, every child two years old and under was slaughtered because Jesus was born. And you think, Jesus came and he, he had this provocative message. He, he really had a provocative message. The whole, his whole ministry was provocative. People were jealous of his ministry. They were threatened by his ministry. And why were they threatened? Because of that thing where he says, where's this, the one who was born the king? Because he came and he was declaring a message that he was coming as the king of the earth. And that was really what Jesus, that was really what he did when his whole ministry was about being the king and about his kingship and about his authority being released into the earth. And that's why there were so much problems swirling around Jesus' ministry. Is because he, okay, Jesus didn't preach the same gospel we preach. 
Okay? Because if we preached the same gospel that Jesus preached, we would get the same things that Jesus got. And I think that's the truth. I think that's a question we have to ask ourselves this morning. Jesus preached one gospel, and He says He preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. He preached a kingship gospel. He didn't preach a salvation gospel. Now, I know that might go against some people's grain, but you know what? You know what the Bible says? Uh, it says this, When the gospel of the kingdom is preached all over the world, then the end will come. When the gospel of the kingdom... In fact, most of the places in the Bible, it never says... I can't find in the Bible where it says anywhere gospel of salvation. It says the gospel of peace, the gospel of the Son of God, the gospel of God. But most of the time, this is what Jesus told the disciples. This is what he told them. Go preach the gospel of the kingdom. That's, if that's, there's one place when he says, this is the message you're supposed to preach. You're supposed to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And then, you know, if you look in the book of Acts, it starts out, Jesus was talking about the gospel of the kingdom. And then in the end, it says, Paul was preaching the gospel of the kingdom and the things that concern Jesus Christ or the things that concern the king. And that's really the message that God... That's really the Christmas message, I believe. Are you all with me? You all just sitting there looking at me like, why are you saying all this? I guess this is why I'm, why, I'm, why I'm saying this to you. Is I believe that if we will ask God to give us that message, the gospel of the kingdom... Because, see, I think God brings death to bring life. He, he brings death to bring us into something greater. And that greater thing really is the gospel of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven being born in our hearts and being released in the earth. And I believe that's what God wants to do. I believe He wants to release that message. And you, if you study the Bible, everywhere that message was proclaimed, people got saved, people got healed, people got delivered. And I believe, this is what I believe, I believe if we'll take that message and make it our own message, God will begin to send people to you. Because, and, and this is the truth. We, we're, I'm not saying we're walking in this on any level. I'm saying we're, 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 that's what the vision God's given us. This is what you need. And what we're finding out is we find sick people, we find messed up people all the time in our daily lives that somehow we run across, that somehow need something from God. You hear what I'm saying to you? And at first you're saying, why are all these crazy people around you, Lord? I mean, God, why is all these messed up? Why are everybody I talk to is messed up? You know, that's what you think. It's why this is the most messed up bunch of people in the world. But I know this is the truth. They're messed up, and you are starting to get a vision for something greater, and God says there are messed up people out there that need what, what you're catching the glimpse of. So I'll, they can have a situation. Yes, there, guy. She knows she's been doing some business with, and he, you know, I got to get my guitar, and he says, "Well, you got to get it because I got to get some tests done. Come get it today because I'm going in the hospital to get some tests done. What's wrong with you?" Didn't well, he wouldn't say it. And then when she saw him, so I've been having seizures. And here's this man. Can I pray for you? She prayed a simple prayer: "Lord, let your kingdom come in this man's life, because there's no seizures in heaven." You know, that is not an accident. That the Lord let this person run into somebody who's saying, I think God wants to reveal something to us. When He said a king is born, He wants to reveal who that king really is. 
He wants to reveal it. And I'm serious about this. And as we begin to put our emphasis on Jesus Christ being the King of our lives, seriously, and we begin to declare that that's the message, that God came as a king. He wants to be the king in the earth. He wants to be the king in my personal life. He wants to be the king in my home. And he wants to be the king in this situation. So here's how you can pray. It really simplifies things. Okay? All right, Lord, you say to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. All right. What is it like? What's happening in heaven in terms of your kingdom, like in a situation? Say there's a situation where you've got a in your home where there's some difficulties and you've got to have a confrontation in your home, okay? With your kids, say. Let's just use that example. Say one of your kids is doing something they shouldn't be doing. All right, Lord, what's happening in heaven? Well, there's not any arguments happening in heaven. There's not any rebellion happening in heaven. There's nobody sinning him. So I pray your kingdom into this situation right now. Right now, Lord, I'm asking you to bring the kingdom of heaven in this situation. <coughs> Then you sit down with your child and you see suddenly they're not rebellious towards you. And it wasn't because they were just trying to weasel out. It was because the kingdom of heaven came in to that particular situation. And I've seen that happen. Not necessarily for my kids because they don't ever, they don't live with me no more. So when they have trouble, they just, y'all can have it out over there where you're at. But do you see what I'm saying as an example? And so what we've been trying to do is we have been trying to put that into practice. It's praying that God would bring, just like Jesus said, your king. See, Jesus, Jesus, it was, a, it was a, a brilliant move on his part, the Lord's Prayer. A brilliant move. And it's, it's brilliant that so many people know it. So you can go to a Presbyterian man and say, well, let me pray for you. Lord, your kingdom come. Old Presbyterian who may not even believe in healing can receive that prayer. Because, Lord, they ain't no, there's no seizures in heaven. Let your kingdom come on this man right now. He can receive it. You see what I'm saying? And it really makes praying for people a lot easier. makes praying for situations like So you sort of evaluate everything in terms of heaven and, and, what, and what your life is like on earth. Now, I'll, I'll say this. It's, it's something you have to keep seeking, keep pursuing. It doesn't, you know, Jesus said, seek, ask, seek not. It's a continual thing in your life. It doesn't all come at once. But I uh, just wanted to share that with you, and then we was going to share some communion here. Uh, but first I wanted to, I don't normally do this. I have three resources that would help you with this, okay? The first one is this Randy Clark Ministry Training Manual, okay? This book is a very good manual for praying for people for, for physical healing, for praying for people for deliverance from satanic things. So, I, you know, if you really have an interest in that, this is a great book. It's got, uh, you know, Bible verses upon Bible verses. We use it in Christ School of Ministry to, as, a, as a tool to help teach us how to pray for people. That's what we did this, this semester. And um, so that's something I would really recommend that you get, that you buy this book and you read it and you apply what's in it. Because Randy Clark uses a very simple method for praying for people. And he has a lot of success. Okay? He's got, he doesn't have all... See, that's one of the things that always discourages me about praying for people. It's like, man, I'm going to have to wear myself out <laughs> trying to figure out what to say. Where he just says, all right, you know, Marlon got a bad foot. In Jesus' name. Marlon, foot be made whole according to Christ's riches in heaven. Marlon, how's your foot? Well, it's still feeling bad. Well, let's keep praying. 
Anything else? You know, it's just simple, simple praying. So I would recommend this book. Here's another book called uh, Harvey Pinnock's Little Red Books, uh, Lessons and Teachings from a Lifetime in Golf. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I do have this book here. See, that's sort of the, you know, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of golf. <laughs> All right, here's another really good book. It's called When Heaven Invades Earth, A Practical Guide to a Life of Miracles. This is a good book by a man named Bill Johnson who's a pastor in California. And he talks about, well, he talks about the kingdom of heaven. He's got, this has really got some good stuff in it. Not, you know, normal teachings on heaven in, in the kingdom of heaven. I would really recommend this book also, that you get this book and you read it. And we're going to be doing this book actually in Christ School of Ministry this, this uh, semester coming up. We're going to go through this book and try to learn you know, some new things about the kingdom of heaven, things we may have not known. And the last book I wanted to recommend to you is called The Discipline of Intercession by Ed, Ed Corley. And what this book is, is he's got like a year of intercession. And what he says, this is to prepare people's lives and heart for the kingdom so we could become sons of the kingdom and daughters of the kingdom. Okay, that's what this book's all about. And basically what he does is he goes through Paul's prayers that he has in, in the scriptures, like from Ephesians, and, and you like a you go through like for twelve months, you go through each month. In one month, you would focus on like the first month would be you'd be praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and you'd spend a whole month praying that. You'd be praying over yourself, you'd be praying over your friends, you'd be praying over people around you. Okay, and it really these pray, this is a very powerful, but these this is practical. Okay, this is like. You hitting you right here where you stand. It's not praying for something, you know, praying for healing. This is praying and seeing something spiritual happen to you. And he goes through, like, he's got 12 months of that. And that's really what this man focuses on. His ministry tends to be more towards deliverance and, you know, healing of the heart kind of thing, inner healing kind of thing. It's powerful ministry this guy's got. So what we wanted to do with this book is to ask, we would love our whole church to do this book next year. Okay, in other words, everybody buy this book, which will cost you 10 bucks. Okay? And you take it, not that we go and do it together. You could. You could get some people and y'all could get together and pray these prayers. But everybody start praying these prayers as individuals. Okay? And, one, and then in one year from now, see what God did. Not only in your home, but in the church, in your, in the play, in, in your sphere of influence, wherever you go. I believe if we would do that, because basically what he's doing, he's just praying the prayers out of the Bible and gives us insight on how to pray those prayers. And I believe if we would, we would do that, okay, there could, we could see some differences happening. So these are really three what I consider to be really good resources to help us really see the kingdom of heaven, to have a greater understanding of the kingdom of heaven and walk in the power of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? So I want to know, is there anybody interested in this room? And when you ra if you raise your hands, you're making a commitment to spend 10 bucks. We will go ahead and order them for you. All right, I got three, four, come on. Raise your hands. Help me count them. That you'll be willing to do this. Count them, babe. Bunny and Becky. This will make a difference in your life. We've been doing this ourselves. And really, I'll tell you the truth. Before, before the Word, the, before God really even started talking to me about the kingdom of heaven, I was doing this, and it was unknowingly messing with me. It was unknowingly leading me to something. 
And then I got to realizing, hey, this guy, he's, he's big into the kingdom of heaven. That's his whole thing. So, amen. And then if you play golf, you need to get this, and you need to, you know, think about it. I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, put that Luke, the very last verse up, and let me just, I know it's late, but let me just go through this thing real quick. I'm going to just give you the, the high point on it. Because here's, you will be totally blown away if you study the early church. It is one of the most encouraging things that I've studied recently. The, the early church fathers and what they did, it, they were powerhouses. It was an, the church was an incredible church back in the early day. I'm talking about, you know, after the, after, you know, Paul and Timothy and those guys started, you know, the first century church, second century church. They were awesome people. God was doing powerful things. And they had a liturgy, believe it or not. Everybody know what a liturgy is? A liturgy is something we do. They had a liturgy that they used to do communion with. And it blessed me so much when I looked at their liturgy and thought, why? Because it was born out of something powerful. And this is the truth about the early church. Okay? They were a very persecuted church. A lot of the men that we call church fathers were actually martyrs. That they were, they were murdered, murdered because of what they believed. So when we read all this, oh man, that sounds so great, but we don't realize these people paid a huge price for what they believed. And I'm going to tell you something. We'll never be that kind of people just thinking the way we think. We'll only be that if we really see Christ as truly being the King and we're willing to lay our lives down for Him. Okay? Just like, you know, you put send a soldier off to go fight in a war. They lay their lives down. They're not, you know... We can't do that naturally. It's got to be spiritual. It's got, we've got to have a kingdom revelation to become those kind of people. Those people had it, and they had this tremendous uh, thing, this lit, tremendous liturgy. I mean, it's, it was a liturgy. It, it's tremendous, though. But I wish I could do it and make it really tremendous to you. But I'll just read the verse here. It says, this is Jesus' last Passover, which he said, Then he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Okay, for I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among, your, among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. See, Jesus was totally focused on the kingdom of God. Totally. I mean, he was dying and he was talking to them about it. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That was pretty good this morning when Brian was doing that. We won't forget you, Lord. We'll remember you, Lord. Wasn't that really the Lord? Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. So um, here's, I'm just going to tell you what the four parts are. Number one, they had four parts of this, this liturgy that they performed. Okay, now they were doing, you know, it was a formal thing that they were doing, but I mean, it's probably informal in their, in their setting. But the first thing was remembering, what they called remembering, just like what he's saying this morning, is they would, they would think of the Lord Jesus when they did communion. They would think about Jesus Christ. And I thought about this this morning. I thought about the two most profound communions I ever went in. And the first one was, was when my pastor, Harry Bazell, when I was a young Christian, came to me during communion and repented to me. Okay? He said, Byron, I feel like I've let you down. And I said, you ain't doing anything to me, Harry. <laughs> That's what I said. I mean, I was totally in shock, you know, because he caught me off guard. And, but it 
to this day, it is one of the most memorable communions in my life is when this man who was my pastor came to me and repented to me. You know? And then the second most memorable communion was we were uh, in the building there and same church situation. We had our meetings on Sunday night instead of Sunday morning and the power went off that night. And we were going to do communion and I think the power went off. Something it was dark in there anyway. I don't know why it was dark, but but everybody was sitting there, and then all of a sudden you heard this noise of liquid being poured, okay, on the floor. And the most quietest, meekest woman in the church, who never said anything, who was married to the loudest, boisterous man in the church, she went up there and took that. They had a pitcher of grape juice and she poured it out on the floor it was profound it was a profound moment really I mean I have never in my life felt so touched as when that I'll never forget it for the rest of my life it's the sound of that grape juice and it was like the sound of Jesus' blood being poured out on the earth it just was like I can hear it just like it happened just, just a moment ago and that's really what the, the early church tried to get us to do is to remember what Jesus has done for you. And really when Harry came to me and repented me, it was like God himself came to me and was entreating me. I mean, it just was profound. It touched my life. So the Lord wants us to really remember. The second thing is they would take, the, they would take this bread, you know, which we got these nice little particular cups, this bread. We got some real bread in here. And they would lift it up, okay? And they would pray this, this, this prayer. They call it the lifting up. So the first thing is remembering. The second thing is lifting up, okay? And this is what they would pray. We lift our hearts to the Lord. We lift our In other words, we lift our hearts out of this present circumstance. We lift our hearts out of the difficulties of life. And we lift our hearts and place them where we're really at. That's seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Where, all, where there's no sorrow, where there's no sickness, where there's no pain, where there's no disappointment. Do you, you get that? That's what communion was doing. It was putting them in heaven where they really were. And that's what, that's what they were trying to do is get the people who were doing communion to see this is where we're really at. We're living above these things. So you got the remembering the Lord Jesus Christ. you got the lifting yourselves up into heaven. That, that's powerful. And then they did this thing called invocation of the Spirit. Okay, and that's where all that stuff comes from. You hear about the trans, blah, 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 trans... Well, they got all kinds of things. When you eat the bread and drink the wine, that it becomes literally the body of Jesus Christ. And you know, there's all these arguments about that, okay? Because they would say, they would pray that the bread and the wine would become... For them, the body and the blood of Jesus. They would literally pray that prayer. Okay? So you get these warped doctrines that believe, well, when I eat this bread, it's going to literally become Jesus' body in me. Well, that's not really. Because they were going on and saying, in order that the life that was in Christ would be in me by the Holy Spirit. That's why they were invoking the Holy Spirit. That the life that was in Christ would be alive in me. Now, that's what communion is. It is calling forth for the life of Christ to come forth in us. Is that, is that awesome or not? It's awesome. Anybody with me on this? And the last thing they would do was worship. 
That was the four parts. So the four parts, number one, they would remember. Number two, they would lift themselves up to heaven. Number three, they would invoke the Holy Spirit into, the, into their lives. And number four, they would worship. And that's what the early church did. Now let me tell you, they did this behind closed doors in secret places. Okay? Because they knew if they got caught, they'd be dead for doing it. You know? They were an underground church that came up with that. And I thought, Lord, we have an awesome, awesome heritage in the body of Christ. We have an awesome heritage. So this morning we want to do this. Lord, we want to remember you. We want to remember you today, Lord Jesus. In all of this, we want to remember you. And Lord, we want to lift ourselves up to you. We want to lift ourselves up into heaven above all our problems, above all our distractions, above all our annoyances that we have in this life. We want to live from there. And Lord, we are invoking the power of the Holy Spirit to come and that the life of Jesus Christ would be released into us and released through us. And Lord, we worship you. That's the early church communion. So I want to invite you this morning. Did y'all get some people to hold this? I want to invite. I wish I could have made this more meaningful because it was real meaningful to me. But I want to invite you to come up here and do that.